Welcome to Startup Bill, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Catherine Renier of Coconut. Coconut Software is an enterprise-grade appointment scheduling solution that's geared towards appointment-driven businesses. It means big corporations are making it super easy for a customer to go ahead and book an appointment in real time. And Ryan Queering of Safety Tech. We help companies eliminate work stoppages, reveal the true value of safety, and invest in their reputation by having our platform automatically manage and enforce their safety programs. In today's episode, we discuss how companies Conversations differ in larger centers, and the importance of support systems and a community at your back as an entrepreneur. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communication. Well, firstly, thank you both for joining us on Startupville. I think, Catherine, if we could start with you. We're in a fabulous place here in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan. To people who may be listening to this in other parts of the world, the biggest question might be, why launch a company here and why not go to a bigger centre for your story, for your organisation? Because surely it's easier with other connected organisations to be in a bigger centre. Absolutely, Dan. I think that's a great question. And um, we received actually some pressure when we were raising money to say, when are you moving to San Francisco? When are you moving to Toronto? And I think that we're starting to understand that those uh, places are not the end all and be all. They're a great place to go for mentorship and learn. But I feel really passionate about being able to take those lessons from the tech, the major tech hubs and bring that back to Saskatoon so that we can have that expertise brought here. Um, with that being said, you can have that in your mind as an entrepreneur, but we were fortunate enough to find some investors that were willing to take a chance on us, even though we were based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And a lot of that had to do with that we were able to create traction, assign large US clients, and we didn't have to be in those places. So we had some proof that we can do this from here. Uh, with that being said, half of our company is in Toronto, because that is where our client base is, but half of us are here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan as well. Is there a temptation to just go, hey, I've come up with a brilliant idea, Ryan. I've got this idea. I think I'm going to go and do this. Uh, Next step for me is I'm going to go off to a big center. Is that tempting for you? Not at all. Um, In fact, it's the community out here that's been developed over the past year for sure. That's really kept me here and and made me realize that I don't have to do it elsewhere. We're uh, a bit unique in the sense that we started in Calgary and then moved to Saskatoon. So, uh, and we have uh, our headquarters is, is in Calgary and our main, where I'm, I'm based out of Saskatoon here. So we're working as a fragmented uh, company anyway. And so uh, we just build out the collaboration tools that we need in order to, uh, to make it work. Something I hear quite a lot from people who have contributed to this podcast is that it's really good to go away to one of the large centres, whether it's Toronto or Waterloo or to San Francisco and learn all these skills and be like a be like a sponge, absorb these programs and bring them back here and then cascade them to other people. Do you think being a part of a smaller centre, there's a there's a level of responsibility, not only to your own organisations, but to, to the wider tech community, to the startup community, to bring that best practice here? 
I do feel like we get a chance to have more of an impact. We get to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond right now, and we get to kind of cultivate what does that ecosystem look like. So I personally feel, and I think a lot of the the leadership team at Coconut do feel that that is our responsibility if we want it to work here. We went out and raised money, millions of dollars, and said, we're going to do it from here. And if we don't give back in that way, we're really failing ourselves and the whole tech industry if we're not taking that approach. And I think you were one of the trailblazers of that in Saskatoon, <laughs> and we're benefiting from that as a as a new startup within the the center here, within the incubators specifically. Uh, Collabs has has built a community that wasn't that it wasn't here. It was just now it's being unsurfaced or, or exposed uh, for what it is. Did it really help having getting all the different startups all into one physical space so they could? you know, express ideas, share ideas, problem solve in one physical space rather than lots of people. And I'm not going to, you know, draw a line that everyone's doing it in someone's basement or a garage suite or wherever, but (laughs) where you're siloed, it's better to be in that collaborative space. Um, Yes. So I I think um, not even that it's all in in a similar location. I think it's energy is being put towards... A common goal and that energy is being exerted by uh, in a lot of cases the board of directors for a collabs and you know there's a lot of external forces but they're not in synergy they're not aligned whereas collabs has a goal and that's to build the tech community that's their all that's their objective and so and create successful companies of course uh, which will be the outcome but i think along with that we get the community that we see today uh, because of that effort being put in without the effort it, it just wouldn't exist one of my favorite launches of any um, organization in recent years has been the Collabs launch. That event, just seeing so many brilliant people in one space, people coming from other parts of North America and the other parts of the world as well, to be there, to be a part of that event. I was sat next to people from Western economic diversification and uh, different startups, and it was just a fabulous environment to be in to show that this is a big thing here. It's being taken seriously. How, I mean, you were both there, weren't you? Mm-hmm. How did you feel seeing that as a, as a milestone in the, let's say, the Saskatchewan story? Part of that Collabs event also included uh, private pitches. And about four or five of our investors of Coconut Software came out to be a part of that. And so I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. One is... There are fabulous entrepreneurs that really stood out in those pitches and Ryan's company, Safety Tech, being one of them. So one is how much effort is the entrepreneur putting in to actually make it happen? Mm -hmm. So we have to give them credit. The other half is that we need to really start, I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. We have investors that we flew in who've taken a chance on our local talent. And I feel like there's more investors here that could potentially open up their wallets a little bit more. And there's a lot of talk and there's some that have that I've been fortunate enough to work with, but there's, I, I think that there's more opportunity and investing into one tech company in Saskatoon, I don't think is enough. And I think that um, us bringing in investors from out of town in town There's no more excuses. Like we've removed all of the excuses. During one of the pitches, one of the entrepreneurs said, or was asked, why are you only raising a million dollars? And he shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I'm I'm from 
Saskatchewan. And I literally want it to leap across the table and be like, isn't this the whole point? Didn't myself and other people just prove that it doesn't matter? So I think the mindset needs to change a little bit. We need we need people to know they can do it and investors locally need to um, start investing. So really there's two things that you're saying there and that's an interesting package of thoughts. Um, that was a lot, sorry. Firstly, no, and there's nothing wrong with it. Firstly, there's the element of... Um, being bolder as someone who's requiring funding, you know, go for the larger amount to be able to back your project properly rather than, you know, go for an amount that you think they might. It's give so Canadian. It's uh, maybe it's very Saskatchewan. Now I was, I was that same person. I did that, but nobody wants to invest in someone who's like, Ooh, maybe just a little bit and I'll see what I can do. It's uh, a lot of it is being told no so many times. And then after hearing that, trying to figure out, well, obviously I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you get with people who are not from here who actually have a way, uh, a larger, larger amount of money to, to invest. More experience. More too, experience. Ryan. They know what they're looking at um, and what the value, the, the proposed value is. And so when you have somebody throwing money at you that has the wallet to do so and then challenging your ingrained belief system that I was asking for too much and this is what my company's worth. Um, that's a big hurdle, especially from, from valuation perspective within the Saskatchewan environment. I would like, I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's a lot of mixed messages mm -hmm. and it's, it's confusing it is to confusing. an entrepreneur yeah. as to what we should actually be <laughs> valuing our company. Cause yeah. if we were based in Silicon Valley, you could add an extra zero mm -hmm. to the valuation and nobody would blink an eye. But you come out here, and it's just a, it's it's a, a bridge that has not yet been constructed. On the second part of that, and this is where it brings me to to an interesting point. Maybe there's a lack of local investors within the tech sector. They've invested very traditionally in the ag space and pharmaceutical space, etc., and and have got pretty good returns on their money. Uh, do you think that there's been a level of fear from the local investors and they've had to see other investors come in, make a success and go, hold on, why are we missing out on this? Why? Hold on, why is someone coming from the other side of the planet investing and making money when we could? I think that could be its own podcast series. Of, <laughs> and I can't speak in behalf of, of investors. I can only give what my perception is. I think we have conservative entrepreneurs and we have conservative investors. And one of the things one of my mentors, um, Neil Dempsey, has always said, you have to be prepared to lose the money. You have to know you're going to lose the money. And you might lose on 10 deals, but you might hit a home run on one. And you just have to be prepared. And so the biggest question I would ask is, what is your risk tolerance? Investing in a company that later on says, sells for a billion dollars probably wasn't a conservative calculated investment. You have to believe in the people. And so I guess it's just what's the risk tolerance um, that we have locally. And that might need to be adjusted if, if they're expecting to swing to the fences and hit a massive home run. Is there a place to say that they, the investment funds locally rather than private individual investors could be a place to start because they they balance risk across all of their portfolios rather than individual people um, trying something new, let's say. 
I don't know why she points it at me. <laughs> well, I've only had actually experience with, with one local investor local. that we ended up getting investment from. And, um, we strategically, you know, looked at, looked at that. So I don't have a lot of experiences just from what I've seen. So again, I don't want to put words, uh, into investors mouth, but these are just things that I'm, yeah, these are just observations. Yeah, observations. Like, um, and it's no, we're never going to get a dollar Ryan. If we keep this, if you release this podcast, no, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not unique to Saskatoon either. Uh, this is in, this is in Alberta. Uh, it, it happens in, in Manitoba. I mean, there's, there's specific, uh, uh, I mean, the, the tech community is a little more established in, in other centers than it is here. It's still pretty new here. Uh, we've just only barely, uh, I guess, taken the steps towards recognizing that the, the talent exists. Um, again, thanks to, to the, the, the first initial companies that went out and dragged investors here. The trailblazers. <laughs> the trailblazers, so to speak, yeah. Ryan, you make a good point. Maybe it's it's really just the whole newness around all of it. So the investors are trying to figure it out. The entrepreneurs are trying to figure it out. And you kind of do this weird dance. And then as an entrepreneur, you go out to more experienced uh, investor places and the conversation flows a little bit differently than it does in the prairies. Yeah, I feel like um, I go and I see a, an investor from from somewhere else, from Toronto or from from Vancouver even, or, or Silicon Valley. And, and there it's more of a, a mentorship session or, or a coaching as opposed to uh, somebody telling me that I'm wrong or doing something incorrectly or expecting too much for the value of my company. Mm-hmm. Do you think that other centers have really identified that along with the funding, having the mentorship piece coming with it to coach you along the route is a really beneficial thing? But they, you know, from a more mature market that has seen that it's necessary. I think that is something that they do to de-risk the investment. Because if they can control the management team of the company and the outcomes, then really they're, they're banking on their money to, to make their 10x. Um, and that's something they have direct control of. Yeah, I think it's a fine line in regards to that. So there's also different types of experienced venture capitalists. One, have been venture capitalists their whole life and maybe haven't been an operator of our company. Um, and then you can have operators who have turned VC. And so how they're going to want to influence your company, I've seen different takes where someone really wants to dig in and help you operate the company, which can be dangerous uh, as well, but also very good if you're a first-time CEO and you have someone giving you that knowledge. Uh, the other part is if if they've just been a VC, they may not fully understand what it's like to be on the other side of the table. And so I think it is our job as CEOs of companies to listen to everything, distill it to what makes most sense. And, and go with that with some conviction because we're it's our heads on the chopping block at the end of the day. Okay, so I'm going for a piece of advice now, a piece of advice from each of you. I'm someone who's come up with an idea. It might be the world's next big problem solver. It's a great idea, but I have no idea when it comes to the business side of it. What should I do? Catherine, let's start with you as the first. Assuming that it wasn't a like a Twitter, let's assume it's not that, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not Twitter. Let's, it's not Twitter? Okay, good. Uh, if it, it was similar to something like Coconut Software, or let's say Ryan's company, the first thing I would do is go talk to your potential customer and say, will they give you money? Because as far as I'm concerned, you might think it's the best idea, but until the market can validate that I'm willing to spend X amount of dollars on it, 
I've seen people go way down the path and then they find out no one, it's not really solving a pain point and they can't get money for it. So for me, it was important that we had customers that wanted to pay us. And that's, I think, how we were able to bootstrap for five years because people were willing to to pay us for our solution. Just on that one, before we go to Ryan, is there ever a fear of going to the marketplace, asking the question, not hearing the answer that you want to hear? No, no. I maybe would have answered that differently five years ago, but there's more value in going to the market and saying, hey, do you need this? Before you build it, do you need this, is way better finding out than building it and taking it out and then not hearing it. So it depends when is when are they going to say no. So get, get as many no's as you can in advance because you're going to have a better product. If you go build it and they tell you no, yeah, you're going to be disappointed, but you shouldn't have done it that way. To piggyback on, on what Catherine was saying, um, going to find your customer and asking them uh, if this is a solution that they would be looking for or be excited about, uh, but then taking that a step further and actually co-founding a company with somebody like that and saying, hey, look, you experience the problem every day. Who better to partner with than, than, than you? And then build the platform with their input. So that, that would be network, network, network. So <laughs> go and find somebody uh, and, and never try to start a venture alone. That's a very difficult <laughs> road to travel. If Lonely and depressing. <laughs> If you had advice for your yourself five years ago, two years ago, one year ago, what would the one piece of advice be? Uh, store a bigger nest egg before going down this path. Um, also, with mental health being a, a big topic, um, make sure you have the support systems in place to support you mentally as you break down <laughs> without having traction or as you're trying to make it through a tough time. Yeah, support is, mm -hmm. is crucial. Um, for myself, I would say, Catherine, <laughs> <laughs> investment is good when it's done with the right people. And I bucked it for many years because I wanted to do it on my own. It's a Saskatchewan mentality, a lot of grit. I can do this on my own. It was, it wasn't right at the time. Like looking back, I could be way further ahead if I would have had a different mindset that help is a good thing from the right people. Okay, here's my question to that Ooh, then. Dan, here's you're getting good you here. Get, you All go right. two directions with this. <laughs> One, is it a case of fear of letting other people down and their money and their investment and what that brings on your shoulders? Or is it a sense of losing control of your own property, losing control of your idea and the IP around it because you're diluting your ownership? Which is, which is that or That's is it both? Man, that is really interesting, Dan, that you asked that because I remember when I left my job to do this, I thought to myself, I want to be the captain of my ship and whether it goes good or it goes bad, I'm at the helm and I'm the only one that, you know, can be responsible. Now that I have investment, there is a definite fear that I'm going to disappoint the board, that I'm going to disappoint the employees. And a lot of that is a big driver for me because I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a people pleaser but it also makes sure that we're going to get to where we're going. Um, I think that's a fabulous question. Just going back to your point, Ryan, on mental health, it's something that isn't really talked about, but has such an impact. And we seem to talk about it after you have a bottle of wine and you're like, <laughs> you know, kind of it's, falling apart. Yeah, yeah. It's lonely. <laughs> it's it's very lonely. And the, the stress that you find isn't just uh, a burden of uh, trying to, 
to scale a mountain by yourself, but also financial and keeping a family afloat. You know, if you're not drawing a paycheck, you know, that, that, um, can really exacerbate that, <laughs> that mental health issue and, and, and cause you into almost a down, downward spiral of depression. And if you don't recognize it, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And so you need an outlet yeah. like, and, and, you know, part of the community that exists here is that everyone else is also experiencing a very similar aspect. Uh, and you can, you can tell yourself they're not, but they are absolutely, whether they're keeping it private or, or out in the public. Um, but you know, we shouldn't be hiding it. It should be something that we talk about. Yeah. I think it could be its own, own podcast. Absolutely. I've worked on a number of mental health campaigns for different organizations, both here and, and back in uh, the United Kingdom. It really interests me to see a new market, to see a new space where people are heads down, work, 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 and not having necessarily those programs really obviously in place where you look at a corporation and under their wellness policy, very often that is there. Maybe it's something. And, and I think that from this, I'm certainly going to go and have a look and see if there are uh, public resources that can help this. And, and maybe there's an opportunity for public bodies to get involved to offer facilities that may support people with uh, a confidential ear to be able to support in this way just as a vent yeah it's a really interesting yeah. interesting idea um i spoke at the best of TechTO last week and one of the things i touched on because i get asked about it the most is how do you have work-life balance and my response now is i don't believe that if you're going to be an entrepreneur there is work-life balance because it's you know you're lucky if you work an 80 hour week that's a good week <laughs> um but we're also fortunate to love what we do so i absolutely love work but my my takeaway or what I said there is that it's not about work-life balance. It's about boundaries. And self-care is a boundary because it is, everyone will tell you, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But when you're starting, you're sprinting and you're sprinting and you're sprinting. And then you realize <laughs> like, wow, this is going to take way longer. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm exhausted. And, you know, where do I go from here? So it's a marathon. You need to figure out the pace. I don't know if I have fully figured out how to manage my stress, but I can tell you if you don't physically, um, whether it's depression or different things, it's going to force you to stop. Yeah, you need that outlet. And so for me, it's playing music. I go and I can completely forget about everything that I'm doing because I'm focused on just something different that has nothing to do you with... You mean literally, not like music on the radio. No, I mean literally. Yeah. So okay. that's just, that, that is a hobby of mine that yeah. I do. Um you know, you can't lose that part of yourself just because you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. That that has to stay around. Yeah. On that, there is a perception that a leader of an organization, whether it's a startup or whether it's a, a an established organization, they have to be strong in the face of everything, uh, must have no chinks in their armor, yet they've still got to be human. There's a real balance to this. Um this time where you do switch off, the time where you step away, you've mentioned that you're into music. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, was that playing or just listening? Playing. Playing. Yep. What yep. do you play? I play bass and lead vocal. Bass and lead vocals. Yes. Well, at least you've only got four strings to worry about. Exactly. Catherine, don't any, ask me. Go on. <laughs> it's all out on the table now. Any hobbies? Well, I don't know if it's hobbies or not, but things I enjoy is quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a three and a six year old, and so quiet is good. Yeah, um, and rare. And rare <laughs> hobbies. Well, in the summer, I enjoy water skiing when I get a chance to do that. I find that being on a boat 
is totally relaxing and, and I love being on the water. Uh, in winter, I actually do a lot of snowmobiling. And so uh, I enjoy that. So getting outside and being active, I definitely don't do, don't do those things enough. How? I really got to work on that. <laughs> no, that's fine. And, and how do you, when it comes to scheduling and looking at your own calendar and blocking time out for family or for investment time or for development or just leaving those gray spaces to go, okay, this is flexible time within my schedule that I can go, okay, you know what, this isn't solid that I've got to do X, Y, Z through this day. But I've got some great time that things can move. There's a bit of flexibility to do you allow yourself that um, that bit of random space rather than everything being solidly scheduled? My entire schedule is very fluid. <laughs> there is nothing. I try to structure it, but things pop up. I wear so many hats uh, that to try to formally structure my schedule is almost impossible. And it's more in, in my environment, I'm more reactive uh, then I'd like to be, I'd like to be more structured, but I just don't have the resources to do that right now. I would agree with Ryan that the calendar is very fluid. The other thing I've learned is that if there's something you want, you have to protect it and it's the boundaries. So for a, a good summer, I had three times a week going to the gym and I can guarantee you there was 57 reasons that day to not go but I would leave a meeting even if it wasn't done and said, sorry, this is for me. Like, I'm going. We can talk about this after. And guess what? Nothing fell apart. But recently, with some of our growth, I've stopped. And again, if I put it back in, chances are I can make it happen. So whatever you put in, you have to protect it and uh, set the boundary that this is this is what I need to do in this time. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, for a daily thing, uh, I'm always home for supper. Uh, making supper with the family and, and yep. phones are off. We engage in conversation. That's a must. And then all the way till bedtime. And then after that, it's just me and, and Courtney. That's, that's it. Really? Yes. Like no work after the kids go to bed? No work after the kids go to bed. I might stay up <laughs> <tell> after. <laughs> <laughs> if I, uh, if I work, it would be, um, after, Everyone's gone. So yeah. it's like the 10 p.m. to midnight or 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's when I'll That's really in. good. So I, I do like the going home for supper, family time. Yeah. And then after the kids go to bed, it's work time again. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we wrap this up, I'd like to know, because you both use different tools and you have tools for other people to use, what I'd like to know is a, a digital tool or an app that makes your life better, your work life or your personal life. It can be anything from a, a timer, it can be an alarm clock, it can be, it can't be a social network app. So it can be <laughs> anything but that. Ryan, let's start with you. You seem to be in the place already. Oh, I am, eh? <laughs> um, Pokemon Go is something that I, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting some weird looks here. Uh, it's something that I can go and play with uh, the kids and, and the wife. And again, it's just one of those things that it's you're not focused on work or your bank account or any of the bills that you got to pay, anything like that. It's just it's just pure fun for free with no uh, no further requirements from you. 
so actually that's a good hybrid that it's getting everyone out you're out together yeah and it's it's using an app it's still we're using an app yeah that's that's actually something i'm gonna try uh (laughs) catherine what do you think i went straight to work um am i allowed to do that of course okay thank you so one of the things we've just implemented as in two days ago is a product called lattice and lattice allows so we we went from five people to 11 people to 35 people. And now the struggle that I have is how the heck do I communicate what uh, what we're trying to achieve to everyone so everyone's on the same page. And so Lattice allows us to do something called OKRs. So Catherine, at a company level, you know, what's your objective? And then how are we going to measure those results? So the company has objectives and key measurables, departments do, and then actually individuals do. And something that's really powerful that ties into whole um, mental health. Uh, there was a lady that spoke, Eva, Eva Wong from Burrowell. Bur- mm-hmm. And she said one of her OKRs was to get seven hours of sleep. And everyone in the company could be like, hey, you know, how, how's that going? And they'd be able to actually see the results. Like, Ava, you're not keeping up with staying. You're going to get some sleep. And so it can be both professionally and you can have these personal OKRs, but it gives transparency across the whole organization, who's working on what, who's trying to do better in certain areas, and how do we help them achieve those goals. So Lattice is one of those main tools that I'm really excited to see um, the results of. Is there an app that you dislike in any way? The WestJet app. (laughs) WestJet Connect? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, on just use like GoGo Air. Just use GoGo Air. Like why? Come on. Stop with making apps <laughs> just to have an app. There's app. no value. Don't like, I feel like th- that's done. My phone is so polluted. Every time I yeah. go on a plane or go somewhere, Stop. install it, use it, remove it. There's no value to me. So you know what I've done? I can't stand social networks. I don't need to be available to everybody on any platform at all times. Let uh, me quickly add you on LinkedIn. <laughs> Stop. LinkedIn was what trick. So I have deleted. All of them? All of the, I, I don't have LinkedIn, I don't have Facebook, I don't have Twitter, I don't have any of these social networks installed on my phone. If I need to access them, I'll open the web browser, I'll check what I need to, and then I'll close it. Uh, simply because of, of notification fatigue. Mm-hmm. I'm just so tired of getting notification after notification, and then I feel like I'm obligated to respond immediately. Yeah. And that takes me out of my focus zone yeah. <laughs> where I need to work and it just drives me insane. So if there's apps that I don't like, it has something to do with social media. You know, I, I just want to add to that, Ryan. So on my phone, I have this screensaver and it says, starve your distractions and feed your focus by Alex Rodriguez. That's exactly it. There's mm-hmm. so many distractions on these social apps and, and there's just not enough time. They're designed to suck you in. Mm-hmm. and to retain your attention. So don't even open it. Don't if you if you it. want to get something accomplished, don't get sucked in. There is a time and a place for that. <laughs> it's Remove not, the distraction. Yes. Yeah, Most exactly. people can't do that. Good for you, Ryan. That's fabulous. Katrina German was on TV the other day, and her piece was really good, and she spoke about disabling notifications and look at um, platforms when you need to, especially if you're doing social media management or listening to what people need from whatever it is, and just bringing the control back to you rather than it being pushed to you constantly. My friend on his email 
has it set that it will only update when he looks because otherwise he's he's it's like ping ping it's ping constant. ping 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 it's it's annoying thank you very much for being a part of startupville today i'd like people to be able to get in touch with you because we're you know we're an inclusive bunch how could people get in touch with your organizations or you directly so there's a few different ways one is you can go on to linkedin and add me uh, just Catherine Renier. And also I'm available on Twitter, which is at Kat Renier, K-A-T Renier, R-E-G-N-I-E-R. And we've already heard that yeah. Ryan's dumped everything. So Ryan, <laughs> how do people get in touch with you? It's probably a phone number. So, yeah, yeah. You can call and leave a message at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's my voicemail. No, you, I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn. I, I'm not that I'm not participating in, in the social media. I just don't check it as often as you'd like me to. So, <laughs> uh, but Ryan Queering, uh, Q-U-I-R-I-N-G on LinkedIn, or just Google Safety Tech. I'm a nice smiling face right on the About page. So reach out from there. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. Our show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, and review if you like the show. See you next time on Startup Film.